0: You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. Welcome to another episode of Issues, the Issues podcast with uh, myself, Stephen Russ, and my friend Tom Brennan from Iowa and Martin Wickens from Pennsylvania. This particular broadcast, we are discussing the issue of the church attendance crisis. I'd like to read a very familiar passage of scripture as we lead into this and uh, get your guys' thoughts on it right up front as we walk through this particular conversation together But it says in Hebrews 10, 25, I think no surprise that we find ourselves there today. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's the most common, the most common verse in the Bible that's used to promote church attendance. Guys, let's get our thoughts on this verse real quick, and maybe that'll lead us into further conversation. But do you think that's what it's actually talking about? And what does it teach us today in our day? Is it any different today than it ever has been?
1: I don't think the teaching of that passage is any different today than it ever has been Um, in relation to the, the application of it. I think it's more than just, you know, skipping a service. I think that idea of forsaking is giving up on church. The whole context of Hebrews, I've been prepping a series on Hebrews for the past two years. I'm going to start it uh, here in the next few weeks. Um, The whole context of Hebrews, I think Paul is preaching to a mixed crowd of people who are both saved and lost in a synagogue. I think it was his typical synagogue sermon. And so the the whole idea of forsaking is um, of giving up on something entirely but I don't think it's wrong to take and apply that to people who are skipping church because every experienced Christian I've ever seen would argue that as you begin to skip church, it becomes more and more, you know, easy for you to do that and harder and harder for you to go. And that's how you eventually end up dropping out of church altogether. And that's a that's a real brief answer to a pretty complicated passage there.
2: No, I agree. I think that verse probably has more of an application for the end result of someone who's drifting, in and finally they just stop attending altogether. And there may have been an overemphasis upon it by some when, you know, someone is maybe, you know, they're beginning to grow lax in their attendance of church activities. And I've seen a lot of objections to it and people arguing, you know, backwards and forwards from that side of it. But, you know, truly the, you know, no, it's rare or rarer, I think, for someone just to stop cold turkey going to church. I think more often than not, they grow you know, less faithful in attendance and then eventually mm-hmm. they just kind of fall away. Yeah. Yeah, you I, turn a yeah, thermostat I off. I think the verse of is applicable.
1: You turn a thermostat off and the temperature goes down gradually in your oh. house. And that's what happens with the people. Well, yeah. But 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 the the issue that, that I think we're trying to discuss here on this particular mm-hmm. issues podcast is wider than just why do people stop going to church. It's the fact that there is a a national, some mm-hmm. would argue, a an international decline in church attendance, all across the board, and of course that impacts us. But it it is. I don't think anyone. I mean, there may be some people who would say it it's not happening, but I don't think anybody who's really paid attention to any surveys or any 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 studies done in the past ten or fifteen years. I don't see how anybody could dispute that. I know, Martin, you did some digging into specifics of that, didn't you?
2: Yes. And, you know, before I go to some of those numbers, I think we're not just talking about church attendance, but it's church engagement. You know, it goes beyond Mm. simply being here. Um, It's being an active functioning part of the body. And so I I think that's something which is, you know, worth raising as well.
0: So let's get your guys' opinion on this and happy to share mine as well. But do you think that this is a crisis? I mean, are we at crisis level? Um, forsaking the assembling, are we to the level of mm-hmm. of an epidemic where it, it is you know we talk about the the falling away, we talk about those things. Is are we to a point, and let's just use America contextually here today, um, where you know we're we're in we're in big trouble if the church attendance, church membership. I think most of the statistics actually deal with church membership, which is to your point, Martin, on engagement. Um, but what do you guys think? I mean, are we to that point? Are we to a dangerous Red zone level of hey, this is getting really bad.
1: I don't, but I'm because I think of England is there, but I'm real curious about your answer, Martin, to that. Mm-hmm. I would say yes because I think
2: it's the the decline is gradual to a point, and then I think it drops off a cliff. And the reason I say that is at some point. Th- th- the lack of attendance then feeds into the lack of engagement. You then have the tie in of fewer people coming through the pews into the pulpit, going to Bible colleges, being right. trained, going out and pastoring churches and starting churches. And so, you know, at some point, the lack of attendance feeds into a lack of Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Then you don't have the students to go to schools. The schools close. You don't have the men for the pulpits. The churches close. And and I think that's where you see that drop off of a cliff. And so I, I think we're we're not as bad as some places. We're not as bad as it has been. But I think we're close to some, you know, pretty terrible uh,
1: consequences. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I would not argue at all that the trend is certainly negative, and that negative trend is accelerating. I read a book last year, maybe 2021, David Halberstam's book on the 50s, and he proves in it rather conclusively, statistically, that the 50s were the high point of American church attendance. Of course, he's just looking at the United States. and. I think you can make a clear case if you study out the stats that American church attendance has been declining percentage-wise since the fifties. Okay. And by observation, certainly since the seventies. And I think that has accelerated in the past 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're anywhere close to a crisis in the sense, and this is where I would part company with you, Martin. And I'm curious what you have to say Brother Russ, but I don't think we're anywhere close to a crisis. Um, and I also think, and this is maybe I should say this for another thought. I, I think it's impact the Independent Baptists less than everyone else mm. because we have more committed people. But um, I don't think we're at a crisis point yet. I think it's a, it's an aggravated problem that's become bigger and bigger. Brother Russ, what do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that when you look at it from a national perspective and a statistical perspective, then the numbers kind of. Um, they tell their own story. That being said, those numbers are usually drawn from uh, a wide variety of denominations and backgrounds religiously. Okay, when it when you start to think it's serious is when it when it affects your church, right? I mean, you look at it and you go, "Oh <laughs> yeah. man, churches churches uh, church attendance is going down in the in the nation." And look what's happening here. You know, and and I'll be uh, I'll be honest. We have we have seen in the if you took the last five years, then the the trajectory for our church has been overwhelmingly positive, even through COVID. We were starting to get used to that um, three hundred and twenty range before COVID. Maybe more like three hundred on average, but we would hit that three twenty quite often. COVID hit. We didn't know what was going to happen after that. Thank God, we were in a more conservative state. We were able to get back to church right. really soon. Well, then after. Um, we got back and we pretty much got back to where we were um then actually covid hit in other words it hit our community it it kind of didn't touch our community all that much until september of 2020 everybody shut down in you know early 2020 right. Right. and then it hit our church at the same time it hit our community um we weren't some kind of lightning rod you know standing up and and screaming into the community that we weren't going to close our doors that we didn't do that matter of fact we did actually close our doors for two weeks during that time. We felt like it was just wise. Um, but nevertheless, we, we lost a gentleman and, um, and still miss him to this day. We had several people, all senior citizens, get sick. So then we had to rebuild again. Well, we, we go through 21, we kind of get our footing back. But what happened during that time, and this is, I'm all building up to the fact that this is hard to measure for me personally. Um, we rebuilt, but I looked at our, our role, if you will. And I realized that while we were running close to that 300 mark again, probably a good hundred of those people were new. I mean, that was a wild day when I was like, whoa, we have a hundred different people and we're running the same number. So it wasn't like we retained everybody. We just replaced everybody. Um, And then 2022, I thought, well, what's this year going to do? We thought 21 was crazy because everyone was doing their makeup vacations and stimulus vacations and all that were happening. Well, 2022 has been the year of um, just like unsettledness in the sense of attendance, not not instability overall, but attendance for us has been this way. Where in the spring trajectory was up, and we had our first summer slump. I mean, not that we've never had one, but this one was the real one, and we've not quite recovered from that from 2022 and now leading into what is now 23 you know we're just looking forward and, and praying that the lord will help us that all helps me to kind of form both a biased opinion and then looking at the statistics an unbiased opinion and i think um yeah i could see where church decline is affecting us and like you tom i don't think it's pandemic level church decline yet but I think it's concerning serious church attendance and engagement decline. And I think every church is dealing with it. That's my opinion.
1: Well, I think if you if you project forward, um, uh-huh. so we're a soul winning church. I'm a soul winning pastor. Some of our listeners, many of our listeners will be and will understand that context. Yes. So much of soul winning depends on those people already having some concept of jesus christ and of Mm -hmm. sin and of heaven and of hell um and as our culture becomes moves past moves in the direction of being unchurched and borderline pagan that that ministry outreach is going to be more and more difficult to see any effect or any 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 production i don't like the word production any result from Mm -hmm. um which then in turn makes growing your church even harder um I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I I do think I read somebody just recently can't remember who it was talked about these churches that are, that are going woke because they're afraid of of losing people for the culture. Uh, And we may speak more to that in a moment Um, that they're actually making the wrong decision because yes, you'll lose people by speaking out against the culture, but you'll also gain people. Um, Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's positives on the other side of that. The darker, the darker the sky, the brighter that star shines, you know, that whole, Mm -hmm. that whole aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's concerning from a cultural perspective. It's and it's it's very apparent to me from a cultural perspective. I we're like way, the way past post-Christian. That we're we're way past post-Christian. I, I think we're we're pushing on toward a return to paganism. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. that's speaking broadly, not just um, my church. Uh, my church attendance is better than it's ever been in 25 years of pastoring. I don't like to talk specific numbers, so I'm not going to do it here. But it's not where my church is at. But just just looking broadly at at measurements of statistics and culture, it's its a serious problem. I don't think it's a crisis, but I think it's a serious problem. Well, Tom, I think
2: you kind of alluded to something there. I think among the three of us, we're in churches where we've seen growth to, you know, different proportions, different percentages, whatever you want to, you know, term it. But I think we've all seen growth in the last couple of years. But I wonder if you go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, if what we have seen independently you would have seen across your region and now we kind of look at maybe other churches in the area now my church is is far from being as big as some of the other churches in in our area um you know i know several who are running three four five hundred but you know we're still in a, a healthier place than a lot of others that i'm aware of but you know what the growth we're seeing do you think that's more of an anomaly and it used to be something you would see in, you know, 10 other churches across your city or your town?
1: Yes, I do think it's an anomaly, but I think it's an anomaly that makes sense for this. If you look at the 1970s when independent Baptist church attendance was at its peak, probably everybody agrees with that concept. Yeah, We were standing against a deteriorating culture right? and we're doing the same thing now. And I can see in this decade, us becoming all of us in this conversation. And I'm absolutely sure most of our listeners who are in the ministry have had people in their churches that were Lutheran, that were Methodist, that were Presbyterian, that were whatever, whose churches have gone so far left. They just can't Mm -hmm. take it anymore. And they're just looking for somebody who's got some kind of an allegiance to the truth. So yes, I, I think independent Baptists are an anomaly, but I think that there's a reason for it. Have you guys seen, um, have you guys gained church attenders or
0: members because other churches in your area went, as we said, woke. Um, for instance, we had a... And, and the, the reason I asked that is we have. And we we were not the lightning rod, you know, um, trying to tell everybody in our community how to do things during COVID. I did not find that approach to be helpful or productive. So we didn't do that. But people knew that once we could reopen, we did reopen. And they knew that we were going to have service. At the same time, we had a couple of churches that went um, that went full on into CRT, critical race theory. And all of a sudden, we're getting phone calls and visits from people. They're like, hey, we're uh, we're checking, checking your church out. What do, what do you believe about CRT? And I was like, what? I mean, it, it was the most wild. It dawned on me. It's because it hadn't happened to me before, but it finally dawned on me. Oh, these people are all from the same church or the same set of churches. Yeah. Have you guys seen yeah. any of that where you're yeah. at? I've seen some, not a whole lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we, we've had several families come to us because they're the mainline denomination they were a part of. And they're the actual church they went to nearby made a radical change in their position on marriage, on church leadership, you know, serious issues. You know, these weren't secondary issues that they were just being right. picky about. Uh, and so, yeah, we have seen a handful of, uh, of couples come to us, be you know, for those reasons.
1: Okay. In the sh- in the short term, I think that is po- a net positive for our kind of churches, but I think it's a net negative overall, because again, if you look at younger people in survey after survey after survey, many more of them, you know, percentage-wise identifying as, I don't mean identifying just as transgender, that's how we use that phrase, but identifying as not Christian, not even interested in church, you know, comparative-wise, and I think that pull of people that are, that are quote unquote churched, but not certainly saved or very mm-hmm. saved. Um, I think that pool is going to shrink. I think it's a, yeah. I think we're at the, at the, you know, as I, as I tried to think about this, I tried to think of, you know, what has caused all of this. And I took myself back to the fifties. If that's when American church attendance was at its height, what has changed in America since? And I think there's several contributing factors to that different things that the devil has put into the, into the mix, so to speak. He's, he's, he's very strategic in his thinking. He takes a long-term view and he has captured the minds and hearts of people through education, through music, through Hollywood, entertainment, aggravated by technology. Education has gotten more and more godless and pagan from pre-K through seminar or through grad school. Um, and you're getting, like I said, a, a, a culture that is not just apathetic about church, but as antagonistic toward church. Right. And then these other churches are going to begin to dry up. We'll dry up later.
0: Isn't that statistically correct, Martin? I mean, Tom said you did some digging into those statistics and sounds like that's pretty much the truth according to those statistics.
2: Yeah. I mean, every poll, every piece of research you see, um, attendance, membership, engagement is all down i mean not just in the last 60 years but in the last 100 years and i think in the independent churches there was a a a a boom in the 50s 60s 70s um but even that i think was an anomaly and you know one met one piece of research said that fewer than half of people today claim church membership which even that seems you know pretty high but that one poll said that 47 percent claim church membership, but that's down from 70% in 2000. Um, okay. So, yeah, every every piece of research all points in the same direction. And I've even read J.C. Ryle back in the 1890s, I think it was, in England. And oh, he yeah. was complaining that, you know, 25% of people on any given Sunday weren't in church. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, uh, the, what he would think about today, you know, probably have a heart attack.
0: Well, because yeah. you think about that statistic of 47%. Martin, and you know that that 47% are not every Sunday in church. Just because they're members doesn't mean they're engaged. Um, and I, I do want to dive into a little bit about meaningful church membership. I want I think there's some solutions here for the individual church. It's just like anything, the solution does not rest in the whole. It rests in each of us individually doing the right thing. Um, mm-hmm. But if we were to kind of back this conversation up and consider church attendance from a very basic yet biblical perspective, I think you'd have to agree that church attendance, meaning that that's the start. Okay, let's let's explain that for just a second. You have to start, engagement starts at attendance. You can't be
1: engaged where you're not present, right? Oh, well, but, all the people that stream would disagree with that, but now oh, I'm going to get myself oh, in trouble.
0: Were, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting there, we're getting there. But we would say that church attendance, with that in mind, is biblically required or mandated. Would you agree with that statement?
1: Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds elementary to me. Yeah, Christians that's, have to gather. You know, that's the church is a called out assembly, and if you're not assembling together, you know, it's you know not functional. Gathering together is a core right.
1: value, and it's it's got to be there. Well, and, yeah, A thousand times in preaching, you can't be right with God and wrong with church. That's true. You that's can true. Be, it's just not possible. You can have a problem with my church and maybe choose a different one and still be right with God. But you can't well, be out of church entirely of your own free will, of your own volition, and choose not to go to church and be right with God. Well, and everyone would, would agree with this statement. You can't be right with God and wrong with your spouse.
0: I would say you can't be right with God and wrong with his spouse. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems basic, but it's something that we don't think of. So even the early church's practice and example is there in scripture. We see it um, beyond scripture. You can read about it historically and church attendance. Now, the big arguments you'll get around that is, well, they did church different. Um, they did this, that, or the other. We don't do those things. And um, I would argue that we have the same elements in our church services today. They may be in different places. Um, I'm sure the order of service was different in the early church than our order of service. I don't think that makes my order of service wrong. If yeah, I did, I right. would change it. Right. But then the thing that I think we're missing as a, as a whole, whether that's nationally and even among believers, because I want to go back to something Martin said, or maybe it was Tom, um, yeah. about the, uh, um, the fact that people are, they're not identifying with religion, organized religion with church. But and that is this, we're missing the fact that church attendance is an irreplaceable spiritual discipline.
1: You cannot replace it, you can't pl- replace it with any th- of the other disciplines. Biblically we believe that, but more and more not just in the culture as a whole, uh-huh. but amongst even Baptists, independent Baptists, that's become almost legalistic, you know, how many times yes. have we had that world hurled at us? How can you uh-huh. assert such a thing? I feel just as close to God when I'm, you know, hiking out, you know, on Mount whatever, um, you know, and I read my Bible and I listen to my songs and I, see, I want to talk about streaming again, but I'm not gonna. Um, I, I, you know, I do all these things and I just don't go to church and how right. can you judge me for that? Well,
0: okay, so that leads me into my point. Uh, many of you would have, and many of our our listeners and Undoubtedly, my two fellow co-hosts here um, would have seen that statement by Michael Foster that went viral not too long ago. And I wrote it down. I want to read it. And he, he put this out and a lot of people shared it. I shared it. It says, nothing grows a Christian like a serious commitment to a single church week in and week out for years and years. Not conferences, not social media, not even personal devotions. And that's where the the rub came in. The local church is where mature Christians are slowly forged in the fires of mundane faithfulness. I like that statement. I really like that statement where I got pushback and I think it was, well, I think it was unwarranted because I don't read it the way that that other people were reading it, but they were saying that personal you were, they, they thought that the statement implied that personal devotions were less important than church attendance. But to me, that's not what this statement is saying. It's saying that you can't replace personal devotions with church attendance and you can't replace church attendance with personal devotions. They are two separate spiritual disciplines and you need both. You, you need you food and water.
1: It, it, yeah. it, if, if you try to exist with just one or the other, you're not going to, you need them both. Right.
2: Right. And, and I think what that quote was really emphasizing is that there is something about gathering with other Christians that you can't get on your own. Right. And and it probably speaks to a little bit about the independent nature of of people, of the culture of the times, of the United States in particular, because the, the mm-hmm. USA is a fiercely independent uh culture. Why do you say that, and- when- <laughs> <laughs> It's just the truth of it. You know, the he's, and he's and right, it's he's right.
0: We had a war. It's a large large strength for independence. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs)
2: It's it's a it's a large strength of the USA that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I'm going to go into the west. I'm going to set up a homestead. I'm going to conquer the land. um, You know, and and that's a a good thing. I think it's also why. Um, you know, a lot of Americans are terrified of soccer because it's a team sport. It's not all about it's not all about me. Um, <laughs> I, confess I didn't see that one coming here in this podcast. Oh man, that one! That I was we like, man, just lost, we probably just lost half our, our listeners. But um, if if I didn't laugh at it, people, I felt like people would be like, huh, what? I mean, you <laughs> can be right terrifying. with God and not like soccer, but so, you know, you're so, so deadpan. <laughs> But it's it is a strength, isn't it? It's you know, in all seriousness, it is a strength, but it is also a weakness when it feeds into the spirit of I can still be a strong Christian even if I don't go to church. Right. And I think people are like, why should I have to wait what? Go ahead, Martin. The, the final thought was, you know, why gather when everyone else does? If I can if I can watch Disney Plus and Hulu and my favorite shows whenever I want, if I can listen to whatever I want, why should I have to get together at a specific time with a specific people if I don't feel like it? And, and that's just and an expression of carnality, term, yeah.
1: right? I mean, that's just someone who's just yes, being yeah. fleshly. And I think some of that, I think, is a failure to for pastors and even to some extent seminaries to emphasize the absolute importance of the local church. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tear off after any certain Bible college or anything. So don't go that direction in your mind. I'm talking about more broadly speaking, we don't teach about the church. We don't prioritize what the church is as an institution, how, how valuable it was to Christ, how valuable it ought to be to us. Um, and, and so then we leave people with an idea that their Christianity can be lived Sincerely and well, outside of the context of a commitment to a specific local church, and that's mm-hmm. not biblical. Mm-hmm. Correct, correct. So that yeah. the the logical end
0: of that of that thought of I can just have church in you know in the woods on the lake uh, by myself, whatever. But the logical end of that is is just basically you're you are not connected to the body of Christ in any way. Okay, for instance, the the word itself in the Greek ecclesia. All right. It means assembly. So there you have one end. And then, it, and then it's. Uh, I, had, I had somebody tell me that statement that we read earlier by Michael Foster. They said, that's a legalistic statement because it focused on church attendance. Again, church attendance is the beginning of engagement. You have to attend in order to engage. And mm-hmm. they said, that's legalistic. I said, no, it's absolutely not. The Bible says that God gave to the church, pastors, teachers, apostles for the edifying of the body. Where do you find pastors and teachers? In an assembly. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. The teaching of the word of God happens together in the new Testament. And that's the model. That's the mandate. And that's the requirement of every believer is to find a place. You'll never find a perfect one. All right. Ours isn't perfect. My goodness. I know that. I mean, (laughs) that's just, just common sense, but you find a place where the word of God is being taught and you sit under that as a people. It's more than just reading it yourself. So, So you have to establish that irreplaceable nature of church engagement. And I I like that better than church attendance because it it speaks to it.
1: So don't we? So I gave the illustration of one bad doctrine or, you know, not emphasizing correct doctrine on the local church, but you're, you bring up the word legal, you know, legalism. That's another aspect of bad doctrine. Bad practice flows from bad doctrine. And when you take and you, and and I've written about this so extensively, um, when you take and you 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 mangle Romans chapter six to say, not under grace, but under law means I can live however I want, and there's no more rules, there's no more laws, then everything every, anytime any pastor tells you you have to do something to be biblical, you respond mm-hmm. to that negatively, which feeds into what you were talking about, Martin, about that independent spirit, right? Which is just pride, it's carnality. And now I get to the yeah. place where where And churches have embraced that. So many churches have embraced that whole doctrinal point. They can't preach against anything. They right. can't preach. They can't demand commitment of their people. We independent mm-hmm. Baptists talk about a problem of commitment on behalf of our people. I would 10,000 rather times have our problems than contemporary America's problems, contemporary American Christianity's problems with a lack of commitment because they're building, their whole idea is you don't have to commit to anything. Right. right, which mm-hmm. makes all of that so much more difficult. So there's doctrinal reasons, I think that, that lead into this lack of prioritizing commitment to a specific local church. Yeah. And I think that's something you see
2: across society, isn't it? It's, it's a definite problem in churches, but a lack of commitment to what I don't want to do is symptomatic of, of the generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't want to stray too far from where we've been. You know, I think one of the benefits of a local church is that you commit to sitting alongside and singing alongside and giving alongside people that you may not always like. Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, and, that's good. you know, some Sundays you may not like the preacher, some Sundays, you know, you may, but that commitment to what you don't want to do, you see across all society and it's in the workplace and, yes, you know, in so many arenas. Marriage. That is very true. Yeah, marriage. Yeah, yeah marriage. That,
0: that's very true. Um, if you guys are like me, I, I like to pick the brains of my members, especially. I've got a few members who they may work in like high level management at their uh, place of business and whatever. And and one of the guys that's in our church, um, I ran into him uh, out in uh, out in town here um, about a week ago, and we were just talking. And I said, "So hey," I said, "How he, he's HR." At a, at a large, large uh, um, factory corporation. And I said, hey, I said, how is the the commitment level of those the, of the people who work for you right now? How are you all handling you know all of that? And he goes, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so, so you're feeling it too. He goes, oh, he goes, guys will show up to work for 30 minutes and then say, okay, I'll see you tomorrow and walk away. And he said, they're doing that. And he, he gave a few other symptoms as well. But he said, and I said, they're doing that so they can get their check, right? He goes, yeah, they're doing it so they can get their check from the government. Mm-hmm. So their commitment level is so low that they would actually take free money instead of working for money when they got a perfectly good job with benefits, but they'd rather be on unemployment. I think we've created a monster culturally. I, I kind of would rather use the word culturally than generationally, although they're kind of the same thing. I think the word generational, uh, you know, makes it sound like it's just the younger people. Sorry, guys. I'm, st- I'm going to stick up for my people. I was going say,
1: you're not, you're not sensitive, are you?
0: <laughs> uh, no, not sensitive. Just just interested in the truth. Uh, and it's everywhere. Okay. You know, so I say some of that in jest, but
1: seriously, it didn't start yeah. with my generation or um, Gen Z. I think you see it too as another extension of the same thing culturally with mm-hmm. the anti-authority spirit, which again goes back yes. to what Martin was talking about in a minute, right? The police can no longer, you know, you, you can't no. arrest somebody. You can't, you right. know, you have to gently ask them to stop doing what it is they're doing, right? You can't, if you give any kind of rules in the workplace, you get sued, you get, right? It, it's, it's the, the whole idea. It, it reminds me of the sixties where we're at in American culture at the moment with its, with its bias toward, a, a viral dislike, borderline hatred of anybody who says anything with any mm-hmm. authority or acts to extend any authority. I think some of that enters mm-hmm. into it too. Yeah. Martin, you were going you,
0: somewhere there.
2: Yeah. it. it I was just going to say your generation suddenly didn't um, invent laziness, and, you know, it's, it's always been there. Um, you may have perfected it, but it's it's always hey, been Hey, wait there. a minute. You, you and I are in the same generation.
0: Conveniently, we're not
2: in this conversation. No, I That's know. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, but I, I've, it is interesting, I think. History goes in cycles. You know, yeah, you definitely mm. see the whether it's a cycle or the swing of a pendulum. And, Tom, you kind of mentioned something about this earlier that, you know, there's been – you know, revolutions in the U S culture before, but do you think, I mean, you're not that much older than, than me, but from your understanding and experience, do you think there's more, it's not so much that the people are apathetic, but that people are actually, they have malice towards God and the church.
1: Yeah. And I think this goes, but you know, the Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're supposed to pay attention to that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. This is a spiritual war that we're in. And and I alluded earlier to the uh, fact the devil has sown American culture with these poisonous, it's almost like cancers that are metastasizing in lots of different areas. And he's doing that to, to produce not just apathy, but actual, right, he's moving toward the end times. He's moving toward a, a, a culture that will embrace the Antichrist, that will go to war against God. And don't we see signs of that now? I mean, you know, don't we yeah. see a lot of signs of that in society, of being at war with God?
2: So, so don't, don't it you seems think like- back in the day that, you know, someone would have been, you know, embracing the new rock and roll culture and, and loving um, – you know Elvis and all that, but they still had a level of respect for their grandparents, their parents, and whereas now it's not just I don't care, right. that's not for me. It's right. you know I actively despise it, and I'm going to go out yes. and protest. Right. It. right, right, yes. And there's there's one
0: vehicle that that has come come into culture on more than any other, and that is the LGBT agenda. One hundred percent. I've never seen I've never mm-hmm. seen the kind of I mean it's it is actual targeted advice. To youth who are embracing that lifestyle, to abandon their parents and have mm-hmm. no fellowship with them—I mean, nothing, no zero—so um, that's just worth noting. You know, so do you think that? Um, do you think that this is all? You, Tom, you mentioned it's leading toward the end times. Do you think that you know this means that it's more likely that Christ will return than ever? I mean, that's a strange question to ask, but do you understand what I'm saying?
1: I do, and I both agree and disagree with with the way you phrase that, or with yeah. with that with that concept. I should say that, right? Um, we are closer, more close. We are closer to the to the return of Christ than ever. Obviously, because it hasn't happened yet, so we're two thousand years closer. Um, right. you, you can look at the culture, and you can see s- signs of how it becomes what the what the world is under the Antichrist during the tribulation period. But I think you have to be really careful of saying, well, now we can finally get to a place where Jesus can come back because we're experiencing the great falling away. I think that's a that's a wrong mindset biblically because we believe in an imminent rapture. We believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. That process starts with a rapture. The second mm-hmm. coming starts with a rapture, we believe. And he could have come back at any point in the past two thousand years. So it's not like God was waiting for us to get so bad so he could send Jesus. I think that's the wrong Mm. Doctrinal understanding. Um, every preacher that's I've a, ever read—that's common. Yes, mm-hmm. but just because it's common doesn't mean it's right. That's my point.
2: Yeah, I, I know a pastor who said that you know we shouldn't expect to see any great outworkings of God's spirit because, and he would take the parable of the sower where it was a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, and basically was saying that we're in a thirtyfold era of church history, and it kind of made you feel like, well, why bother? And I think that's yes. that's a danger that. You know, we gotta stay away from.
1: I had a professor in Bible college that taught that from this from the seven churches in Revelation. Taught they were church ages, said we were in the Laodicean mm-hmm. age and identified what year every every age started and ended, which is utter nonsense. And the end result of that is all you can do in the Laodicean age is hang on. You can't build great works anymore. And I'm just like sitting out there going, What? You know, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> they talk about dispensationalists being, you know, self-defeating and demoralizing. And I'm like, I don't agree with it, but I sure can see why they say that.
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. laughing because God. I know what Tom just said is absolutely going to produce some emails. Appreciate that little, that little, bring, uh, bring them on. Controversy. Bring them on. Bring them on. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing <laughs> to do.
1: To I've to have had, I haven't had any emails for years. I'm bored. <laughs> you know, send me, email. I would love to get emails.
2: Well, and this you is you and Stephen mentioned this yeah. earlier. I think that when you draw too hard of a line between generations and cultures, and I think there are generational differences, yes. But when you get one generation saying to another generation, it's not as good as it used to be, and it never will be again. And yeah, you know, I, I wonder how many of the young people just give up on church attendance because they're like, "Well, it's all over anyway, so why bother?" Mm. And you know, and this may play into some of our. Beliefs about the the cure, and I know we want to talk about some of the wrong solutions, probably. But um, you know, I think we need to be hopeful and optimistic, and and that is a, I think that is an appealing thing. Uh, I don't want to be pragmatic, but if we get up every Sunday and say um, America is is just over and we're under God's judgment, then why bother? I mean, mm. you know, just you know, why bother? But I think if you have some hope and some optimism and if God blesses and your church booms, then wonderful. If you're faithful and things are just steady, well, praise the Lord anyway and keep going. Um, But again, that's, you know, maybe jumping ahead a little bit.
1: Not at all. I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, what is the problem and what's caused the problem? And I do think it it would be good to shift gears and look at what's the solution then? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the question. I wanted to ask it because I don't want to have to answer it. So, there. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and I think that there's some good answers here. Martin, you you had even said there were some bad answers. I was curious what yes. you meant by that.
2: Um, I think there are some solutions which are short-lived. You know, they'll produce a, a, just a um, temporary response, but they're not going to be long-term solutions. And yeah. so... It may be, you know, there's a video clip going around at the moment of some church and it's got drummers that are, you know, hanging down from aerial arrangements and, and everybody's laughing at it. But guarantee if any one of our churches had people, you know, swinging from the ceilings, it's going to get a crowd. But how right. long will that last? And, and whether or not that church is just having some massive function, I mean, that's by the by. But there are things which will draw a crowd, but is it going to develop grounded Established families who are going to be mm-hmm. generational in their growth. That's, you know, that's
0: no, no, well said. No attractional function of the church is going to produce sustainable growth. Now, whether or not whether or not you can attract people and then keep them is a different question. Uh, I'm not speaking directly to the to the flying drummers. That was that was pretty cool, um, but uh, <laughs> but but no, you're you're right in the sense that if 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 we build our ministry entirely upon attraction,
2: then we can't we can't sustain yeah, a novelty because you're always having to build to the next novelty. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah exactly.
1: And, and it's just another ex- another symptom of the whole. Argument of we you know we're going to reach people by being like by giving them what they want, which, mm-hmm. is, which mm-hmm. we would all agree sitting here wherever we fall on the on the line we would all agree is a wrong approach that we can't just reach people by giving them what they like. What have we reached them to? And they uh, there, right. Martin Lloyd Jones when he when he took over his first church in Wales he was a medical doctor and became a pastor and ha- hadn't gone to seminary. <laughs> he took over a dying church and. Uh, they were proudly showing him around the, the building and they showed him the theater, the the new stage they'd built for the theater. So they they were going to start performing dramas. And Martin Lloyd-Jones said, just burn it. He said, just tear it apart and use it to feed the furnace. He said, we don't need theaters. We don't need dramas. And it wasn't yeah. the theater and the drama. His point was, that's the wrong way to breathe new life. We would use to re- revitalize, to revitalize mm-hmm. a church. Um yeah. And I think it's, yeah. Tom, it's good Tom, to- Tom
0: stops, <laughs> like you
1: said enough. No.
2: <laughs> I wish you could see what I see right now.
0: So there, <laughs> yeah, I think It's I tra- good to
2: aim for excellence. <laughs> you know, you, you yes. want to have a good music program. You want to have something which is, is meaningful and attractive for the young people. You know, you want to help families. You know, that there's it's just one thing to aim for excellence and applicability. Is applicability a word? Tom, it is now, <laughs> it is now, um, you know, but when that spills over into the outrageous and yeah. you, you then find yourself in competition with entertainment venues, you know, that's a, I think a temporary solution, but ultimately, you know, if, if your church has a, a sudden spurt because you've had drummers hanging from the ceiling, um, what are you going to do next time? Yep. And right. that's, that's the problem. Um, the other bad way,
0: that the other wrong way to, to uh, adjust to this modern trend would be to, you know, water down our doctrine.
1: But that's what a lot of people are doing. I mean, that's just happening. Oh, yeah. You want to tell us who some of those people are? Because that will really make us interesting. Tom, you got a longer list than I do on that yeah. one, man. I, don't, I, just, I was just throwing okay, it well, out for
2: conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> he's you, you're he's trying made to make a to list and it. he's checking it twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: uh, I mean, let's just use the Southern Baptist Convention as an illustration. As they have shifted left, you know, as the temperature in American society has gone woke, as corporations have and media has and everybody, the Southern Baptist Convention obviously has. Um, both with ethnicity, with whole questions about racism, things like that. And I don't want to get in the can of worms. I'm just using this as an illustration with women preachers, with things like that. They've shifted left out of a desire to still reach people. Right. Mm -hmm. It's sincere, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's absolutely unbiblical and the wrong answer to the right question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with the principle of what you're saying. I mean, that's, That's the point. Is if we're if we're constantly putting our licking our finger, holding it to the wind, that's a problem. If you think that's going to sustain church growth. Now, the other thing I want to add here is that we have got to get past this idea that church growth in and of itself is a bad thing. Because I've seen people swing all the way to the other Mm -hmm. side of the of the pendulum swing and say, "Well, yeah, church growth—that just you know—it's all about the numbers." And I'm like, "Um, "That's not entirely true." Right. So I think that's probably a conversation for another time too.
2: Yeah. If it's an insult that your church is growing and, you know, you, what are (laughs) numbers, you know, if you say, okay, well, I've got 500 people coming to church, you know, that's 500 ones, you know, how is, how is 500 less important than one, you know, because you're not looking at it. If if you're with the right spirit, um, and and, you know, I know, like you were saying, churches that have said basically, well, we know we're faithful because only 10 people come here. Exactly. And, and what yeah. would, uh, you know, they're saying, because we're faithful, nobody comes. And I think that is an unhealthy response as well. So I, I wanted to make
0: sure we clarified that because I want to get into these solutions that they're, they're practical biblical solutions. I think they're both, but they in no way are meant to say, this is going to grow your church from 200 to 2000. You know, I mean, I get those ads on my Facebook all the time, um, you know, how to grow your church from whatever. and and that's not what we're about to talk about. But there are some very practical yet biblical things that can be done to counter the trend. And they kind of rest on us as we're serving the Lord to emphasize these things. Um, One of those things would be to emphasize either afresh or for the first time, healthy evangelism in our churches. Because I, I don't know about you, but Sometimes I get caught in the trap of, or well, I get I get caught in the in the um, in one lane when when you've got to consider all of them. I mean, we're called to evangelize and disciple, and I find myself not preaching as evangelistically as I have in the past. And maybe sometimes that's what God wants, but I need to prioritize that personal soul winning. Tom, you said it earlier. You want to be a soul winning church. I know what you mean when you say that. I want to be that too.
1: Yeah, it's. It's something that was greatly emphasized in the Independent Baptist movement's past. Is still being emphasized, right. just not as much. Um, and I don't want to get off into the weeds of what is and isn't proper personal soul winning in the sense of you know if you door knocked or if you didn't. That's a, that's another discussion. Let's just talk about the fact that I don't think it's I don't think it's arguable that that the Southern. Let's go back to Southern Baptist Convention. How many of their churches <laughs> don't baptize anybody in the course of a year? I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. I'm saying that's the direction, right? They're less evangelistic. We are on the same scale just further back or on the same line just further back. There Mm -hmm. are less soul winning churches now than there were 50, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are never, you're just never biblically or practically going to build a healthy, strong biblical church unless you prioritize personal evangelism in some form or fashion or way on a constant ongoing basis in your local church. That's why Jesus started the church, right? Uh Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature teaching, right? Uh, And, and and so that's, that's the commission was given to the local church. It is the point of existence of the local church. And if we, if we try to solve a church attendance or a weak church problem with something that does not include a, A a really healthy, constant, regular emphasis on personal evangelism, we are going to fail.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I'm probably a little bit more open to the idea of using attractants in a in their proper sense, but not without the element of personal soul winning and not at the expense of carnality and worldliness creeping into the church as a result. So, yeah, if you're going to have a big day, if you're going to attract people through a community event, if you're going to do that, okay, good. But you've got to establish what is the purpose. Obviously, it is to glorify God, but the mission is then to evangelize the lost and disciple new believers. And if we don't focus on that, then we're not seeing... A healthy church growth. We're not seeing right, 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 a right, correct yeah. a correction of the current problem. Mm-hmm. We're just seeing another treating the symptom and not the disease, um, which then kind of leads to the next. But you have to emphasize a healthy church over a growing
1: church. Isn't that isn't that the case? Sure, because if you emphasize growth at some point you're going to compromise to get that growth. I mean, that's just, right. I mean, I don't care where you are on a the theological scale, that's going to happen. That's um, correct. Whereas if you'll emphasize being biblical, and when I say we use the word healthy, we mean, you know, not just look strong, but is is closest to the word of God, is the most like right. Christ. And mm-hmm. as our churches become more like Christ, as they become more biblical, those two things are are, 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 are synonyms of each other. As they're healthy, healthy things produce fruit, Right. Yes. Um, and, and so we'll produce fruit as we're healthy. You can produce what looks like fruit without being healthy. But generally speaking, if you're healthy, you may grow a little slower. You may grow a little faster. Depends on the season, where you're in, what, you know, other things. But you prioritize being biblical, and then God blesses that by using you to reach people and draw people and teach and train people and establish people. So through through pastoral ministry and then through even
0: a healthy church process, what are some ways that we can elevate the concept of the church in the mind of even the faithful attenders? Because faithful attenders are always candidates to become unfaithful attenders. And so we're constantly reinforcing, we're constantly working through that. What are some practical ways that we can do that through leading as pastors and preachers of the word of God?
1: Um, Let me try to give you some non-controversial answers um, because I have some controversial (laughs) ones. Uh, (laughs) We'll do this next. I think think you could preach and teach series on the church, on churches. Um, I think when you emphasize the services that other churches have dropped, like Sunday night, for example, when you emphasize that as a point of emphasis in your church, it's a big deal. Um, I think that goes a long way toward helping people to prioritize church in their life Um, If you don't cancel your church for different, you know, every time somebody turns around and sneezes and, you know, there's a half inch (laughs) of snow, you cancel church. And I'm being more snarky than I mean to be in my heart. Um, I think those are some things you can do to emphasize the importance of church uh, that are relatively, I think, easy and not controversial. I agree. I think, and you mentioned about, you
2: know, what you cancel church for, whether it's an actual church service or whether you as an individual or family say, well, we're not going to go to church for this reason. You're kind of saying, well, that thing is more important. Um, And I think that's something to be clear about for, you know, fathers leading their homes is saying, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to show that church is important because Mm -hmm. we cancel other things so we can be a church. We don't cancel church so we can do other
1: things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, that's well said. I, yeah,
2: I had a conversation with a,
0: a new new convert. He'd been saved about a year about that very thing. And in that, I didn't tell him, hey, you wicked reprobate, you skipped church on Sunday night because of a reason that's not very good. I just pointed out that something that wasn't very important had kept him out of multiple services. And I said, you know, it is interesting how that that's all, the devil's already used that issue to keep you out of church on a couple of occasions. And he kind of looked at me and went, You're right. I go, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the devil will use anything guys, whether it's entertainment, it could be entertainment, it could be bitterness. It could be anything. What are some other things, Martin? I mean, you know, we need to emphasize a healthy church environment and we need to emphasize church attendance, but what are some things we can do without constantly beating the drum of go to church, go to church, go to church that, that builds into people, the desire to be there and, and the commitment level that we're looking for.
2: I think there are a number of things. I mean, what what's on my mind at the moment is is demonstrating how the local church can be a vehicle for change in your family and your community and your nation, mm. and you know that can be taken to an extreme. And I think you think of the Salvation Army, you know, as an example of someone who takes that to an extreme. Um, you know, but I think if you say, "Hey, look, if you want to see your nation change, be in church." You know, be the kind of people mm. that can actually you know, generate that kind of change. Um, I think more generically is prioritizing um, high quality preaching. And, Amen. you know, so, so beyond the specifics of what you teach, whether it's showing how your church can be a vehicle for good in the community and the world through evangelism and and various means, um, but having good quality preaching. And it's, <sighs> it's not about being the most eloquent of preachers. Mm -hmm. It's not about being an entertainment preacher for, you know, by a long shot, but if you're clearly presenting the word of God in a way that's understandable and applicable, you know, then that is going to have an impact. And, uh, you know, that's something which, you know, any preacher, you don't have to be the most eloquent, the most educated, the most experienced, but if you can dedicate the time to appropriately teaching the word, that is gonna result in a healthy church.
1: Yeah, and that Spurgeon, that may Spurgeon mean, said you. Spurgeon said you scatter the grain, the chickens will come. Well, exactly.
0: They'll come. But, but I think it's worth acknowledging here, and we're running out of time. But that may
1: involve abandoning some hobby horses in our pulpits. Absolutely. You know. Sure. Yeah we have to we have to place the emphasis where God places the emphasis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. And we don't have to be neutral, and we don't have to leave everything mm-hmm. out. I'm not, I'm not suggesting we don't preach on certain things. I'm saying mm-hmm. that sometimes we get caught up preaching the Fox news channel.
1: Come mm-hmm. on now, brother, preach, <laughs> and, cross, and he, he, preach Christ. Man, what preach it is Christ. is yeah. I told
2: Tom, he is not going to out controversy me, <laughs> me on this episode. Um, well, that, that kind of uh, speaks to a point I was saying a moment ago, you know, yeah. how many people in our pews think that Tucker Carlson has a greater grip on cultural problems and its solutions than the preacher in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, preaching the, I, I in the pulpit think- thinks the same thing. He thinks Tucker Carlson is a greater authority <laughs> than the Word, <laughs> and Rides so his preaching points are are from you know some conservative talking head
1: on the radio, or the TV, or a podcast. And then churches yeah. starve because you're not feeding them the Word of God. That's right. Yes, that's a hundred percent.
0: And and that may be part of the reason for the trend we're seeing. Uh, yes, you know, just I take agree. a little yeah. blame on ourselves. Well, it's been a and fascinating think- conversation. And I don't mean to shut you down there, Martin. Did you have one thing to add before we're done?
2: Yeah, I was just going to, you know, I think we need to finish on, as far as I'm speaking, that there is hope, you know, that we are seeing churches that grow. We don't know if the Lord's coming back tomorrow or in a thousand years. And God has done great works in the past. We can see change. We can see, uh, you know, God glorified and, you know, it's possible. And I think we need to have that expectation. Amen. A good message of hope for us
0: there. Um, obviously, this is a podcast about issues, the issue of church attendance, and we wanted to address it today. And so we're going to wrap it up with some final thoughts here. In Acts twenty twenty eight, Paul instructs pastors to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Truly the church, Christ's bride, is extremely precious to the bridegroom. Not only is the church the bride of Christ, but the church is also God's idea. And for that reason, we must each study carefully and fervently from the pages of scripture so as to maintain a right understanding and relationship with his bride. In the church, we find a family. In the church, we find hope. In the church, we find the scriptures. But all of these things are marginalized in their benefit and impact to the believer when we fail to assemble. That is, after all, the definition of the word ecclesia It's an assembly. I can't help but think that the great falling away that is foretold in scripture must begin with a falling away from the assembly, a falling away from the people who make up the assembly, who, while not perfect, are indeed the family of God. Perhaps you've let the busyness of your own schedule or bitterness toward another Christian prevent you in your spirit from attending God's church? Would you consider that if the church was dear to God, it should be dear to you as well? And so our encouragement today is to make church attendance a priority in your life once again. Renew your love for the church, and remember that God desires your attendance to and involvement in his church. Your friends, Stephen Russ, Martin Wickens, and Tom Brennan.